Thinking aloud. Conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with psychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. Today, we'll talk about hypnosis and psychic functioning. With me is Lori Williams, who is probably the foremost remote viewing trainer around today with uh, thousands of students. Lori is also the author of two books. One is called Monitoring, which obviously is about the process of being a monitor in remote viewing and other applied psi activities, and a book called Boundless, which is a how-to guide for remote viewing. She is the founder and president of Intuitive Specialists in Mountain Air, New Mexico. Welcome again, Lori. Thank you so much for having me back. Now, I didn't mention by way of introduction that you're also a professional hypnotist, and uh, I've always been fascinated about the relationship between hypnosis and parapsychology. In fact, going way, way back, there's a lot of research. It's some of the strongest findings in the field of parapsychology that hypnosis is what we call psi-conducive. It is. I think I think it definitely is. And I was led to get involved with hypnosis because of my experience as a remote viewer and a remote viewing trainer. But uh, I did have a successful hypnosis practice for 14 years in Amarillo, Texas, until okay. we decided to move out to the mountains of New Mexico. In, in other <laughs> words, you, you are a hypnotist. Yes, I'm a hypnotist. And I specialized, uh, you know, during my 14 years, mostly with three things. One was uh, smoking cessation and weight loss, which is something that most hypno hypnotists work with. But then also I did a lot of trauma work. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Jim used to call me the therapist to the therapist because I had so many therapists who would come in for relief from grief and to work through forgiveness and things. And I found hypnosis to be such a powerful tool. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing that uh, impresses me about hypnosis is that you can give a person a, a verbal instruction, any verbal instruction whatsoever, and uh, when they're in a relaxed comfortable state there. You could call it the subconscious mind, but in, in, in any case, they respond. They respond to the widest variety of uh, suggestions and instructions, and each instruction has embedded within it various potentialities. It's so true. I, I love hypnosis. It's such a great tool, because we often find ourselves not... not uh, not able to consciously deal with things mm-hmm. that we can deal with on a subconscious mm-hmm. level. Now, I heard you give a lecture recently in Las Vegas. We were both there uh, at Marty Rosenblatt's, uh, he calls it the App Fest for his Applied Precognition Project. And you gave a wonderful talk on using the body as a, I think of it as a psychic antenna. The body can provide you all sorts of information. And, uh, but what I, found is that the way you were doing it seemed so much in alignment with uh, your work as a hypnotist. <laughs> what did you think that, what did you see that, that made you think well, that? <laughs> well, it's the idea of, um, think, see, I have an experience as a hypnotist. Uh, when I was 14, 
I learned hypnosis from my cousin Stuart, who was <laughs> an amateur magician. He taught me hypnosis, you know, as a young teenager. And I thought, I'm going to use this to self-hypnosis to do better on my exams in school. And it, I did. I did dramatically better by hypnotizing myself. Uh, at that time, my father said to me, I don't want you to do this anymore. You're relying on something outside of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just the opposite, of course, of, of, of what hypnosis is, but it frightened him oh. in, in any case. But uh, you, for example, suggest to people that they can give themselves uh, auditory cues, uh, olfactory cues. Yes, yes, exactly. Well, in the, in the lecture you were attending, we were talking about associative remote viewing. Yeah. And, uh, which is the controlled use of time loops mm -hmm. to help prognosticate, yeah. uh, the, you know, changes in the stock market or, uh, to come up with winning lottery numbers and things like that. Mm -hmm. And it's also great for making choices in your life. So I was talking about how the body is the link there and how in what we use for our type of associative remote viewing are the senses, the yeah. sense of taste, the sense of smell, the sense of touch. Mm -hmm. And yeah, particularly things. the visual. And, and but the visual, yes, particularly the visual. Visual so, seems to be the strongest in most people. No, actually, sound is also one that is very strong. For me, the uh -huh. sound is stronger than visual. Mm -hmm. And so I like using sounds as a very, very strong cue for uh, when we're using associative remote viewing mm -hmm. because uh, it, you, when you think about it, sounds are, are pretty strong. I mean, if you, when you hear a bomb exploding, you react, yeah. you know, if you, if you hear a, a gunshot, mm -hmm. you know, so when you think about how certain sounds cause emotions in us, sound can also be a very, very strong uh, cue for many so, things. So in associative remote viewing, the idea is that you're going to associate a particular cue or target to uh, an outcome that you uh, want to forecast, and it's often an outcome of a numerical nature, and we, we know that numbers are not as easy for remote viewers to get as other kinds of sensory images. Right. So when, for remote viewers, everything comes to the senses, for mm -hmm. the most part, senses and emotions. So when you're... For example, if you're remote viewing a target and you say, oh, I smell smoke, for example, mm -hmm. um, that would be a common thing for a remote viewer to do. So if you were going to associate smells then with numbers, then you could say, okay, well, the number one is going to be the smell of smoke and number two is going to be the smell of strawberries and number three will be oranges. You know, and you kind of go down the line mm -hmm. of strong smells, garlic, mm -hmm. vinegar, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, whatever small, strong, um, B.O. <laughs> strong <laughs> smells that will stick in your mind <laughs> that you won't forget. Yeah. And you can, you can associate those with the numbers one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and zero. Mm -hmm. And then, you could, if you had, once you had your list, we call that the association list, and it, once it's made up, then I could come up to you and without you knowing what I had going on and what I was doing, I could say, Hey, Jeff, um, I'd like you to move to tonight at 7.15 and tell me what you smell. So Jeff suddenly goes, well, that's weird, but I, I smelled garlic. And so unbeknownst to you, garlic is associated with a number seven. And also unbeknownst to you, I was trying to get you to predict what would be the number on the very first ball of the pick three lottery at mm -hmm. seven o'clock tonight. And so then 
what I do is I go run down and buy a lottery ticket, <laughs> and mm-hmm. I say the first number is going to be seven. Yeah. And then what we do is we sit down at seven o'clock and we were watching TV, and suddenly they pick up and the number first number seven. I go run and I get some garlic and I wave it under your nose right at seven fifteen. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm doing that is because I'm actually creating an event. In the future, mm-hmm. I'm creating that event at 7.15, and I'm going to make sure that happens, that whatever happens at 7.15, you're going to smell something. And I want that smell to be associated with the correct number that popped up on the ball at 7 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't matter when I ask you the question, hey, Jeff, move to tonight at 7.15 and tell me what you smell. Uh, all that matters is that at right at 7.15, I make sure mm-hmm. you are smelling the smell that's associated on my list with the correct number that came up on that ball. So... You know, conventionally speaking, what you've just described is what we call in remote viewing an ARV protocol, associative remote viewing. You've now bought a lottery ticket, uh, and uh, based on, on that. But as I was hearing your presentation, it occurred to me, all of this is a hypnotic instruction. <laughs> yeah. You're really programming yourself through hypnotic instructions to accomplish a, a rather uh, involved, uh, many people get very confused when you talk about associative remote viewing. It's so disconnected, it seems. What does the smell of garlic have to do with the lottery? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> That's so true. Because it's arbitrary. Mm-hmm. It's completely the product of the, the instructions that, that are given. And when the instructions really take well, like go to uh, 7 p.m. tonight and tell me what you smell, that's a hypnotic suggestion. It is. And, and the thing is, since both remote viewing and Hypnosis are all dealing with the subconscious mind, right? Right. So in a hypnotic suggestion, while you're in a relaxed state, and I say, uh, go to when you were 10 years old and your 10th birthday and tell me what happened, and suddenly you remember everything like you were there. You're experiencing it as though you were once again at your 10th birthday party. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's really no different. Like you have observed to say, move to tonight at 7.15 and tell me what you smell. Yeah. Because the subconscious mind is able to instantly follow a suggestion. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's why remote mm-hmm. viewing works so well. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I could say, move a hundred years back in time and tell me, well, tell me what you see. A hypnotic suggestion. A hypnotic suggestion. Yet, yet again. Uh, and, now, hypnosis is sort of a strange phenomenon. It's very controversial. Psychologists have been studying hypnosis now for well over half a century, actually for well over a century, but in the modern era, uh, experimentally for a good half century. And there's still controversy as to what it is. Is it an altered state of consciousness? Is it a question of social conformity, wanting to please the person who is giving you the suggestions or instructions? Uh, does it uh, entail uh, simply normal consciousness? Do you have to be in an altered state or not? These things, after decades of research, are still unanswered. I love that. I love exploring the mystery. Mm-hmm. Now, when I went to hypnosis school, yeah. uh, one of the things we were taught was about the different brainwave states. And, mm-hmm. and there's actually a lot of brainwave states that people don't realize. Yeah. But, uh, but the ones that people mostly recognize are alpha, beta, delta, and theta. Mm-hmm. So alpha being the most, uh, well, beta being the most alert. Yes. And then alpha kind of more relaxed. And people don't realize that they are in a hypnagogic state in the alpha brainwave state, which is hypnagogic, a lot of times watching movies. Mm. 
How many times have you been in a movie theater and somebody's like, hey, pass the popcorn, and you don't even hear them because you're so immersed right. in the movie. You could lose you, yourself. Yes, you yeah. are in a hip, hip, hypnotic yeah. state a light, for sure. A trance. And that's why television commercials came into being mm-hmm. because because hypnosis has been around for so many years. Yeah. They knew is with the invention of television way back then, they knew they could put television commercials on and people would be already in a relaxed alpha state where they're the most receptive to suggestion. Mm-hmm. And years ago, I was, I was running a refugee resettlement program in Amarillo. I was the head of this program. And I, div- I produced a number of television commercials mm-hmm. encouraging people to hire refugees and encouraging people to donate cars to our program because the refugees needed vehicles to get to uh, back, and, back and forth to work. And so we put these commercials on with the, the evening news. Well, six months went by. We didn't have any response from these commercials. And, mm. and they, you know, cost several thousand dollars yeah. to do this. And so there were no response, no response. And suddenly at six months, we started getting all these calls, wanting to hire refugees, wanting to donate cars. So I called the television station and I said, did you uh, move the commercial? Did you do something? And they said, no, it takes six months of seeing the commercials before it hits the subconscious in a, in such a way that, that that it finally bounces back to the conscious mind and says, oh my gosh, I need to donate my car or I need to hire a refugee. Six months. I, Six now that's months. an interesting statistic I wasn't aware of. That's what, Yeah. Now, of course, during regular hypnosis, I would have people come in and sit in my chair who had been smoking three packs a day for 15 years and they would walk out a non-smoker and wouldn't pick up a cigarette again. You know, so how does that happen instantaneously? Mm. And that's a that's a complicated answer because yes. it's a it's a combination of many things. The desire, the real desire mm-hmm. and motivation to stop. You have to find someone's motivation. I, I got to tell you a, a crazy story, a hypnosis story. I had a man who called me and he said, "I want to stop drinking beer." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Sir, I'm sorry. I don't work with addictions. You should really go to you know Alcoholics Anonymous." He said, "No, no, I'm not an alcoholic, but I just want to stop drinking beer." <laughs> so he convinced me finally after much conversation to just give him a chance. And yeah. kind of, he came in and I, so I'm, I'm interviewing him to find out what the deal is. And he said, well, you know, I, I work on these oil wells and I, I go to work and all day long I don't have a beer. But as soon as I get in my car and I'm driving home, I start thinking about beer. And I really want a beer. And then I get home and I drink like eight beers and then I go to bed. Mm. Well, eight beers every night is a lot of beer. That's a lot of beer. And it's a lot of beer. So I, and I said, sir, I think you, I think you have a problem. You really should go to AA. But he insisted he wanted hypnosis. Well, the key with hypnosis is motivation. So I was trying to find a motivator. Does your wife bother you? Does she hate it? No, she's fine with it. Well, you know, do you, is it making you fat? Is it, you know, is there something you don't like about it? No, I'm fine with it. Well, then why do you want to stop? He couldn't even really come up with the motivation. So I was like, how am I going to be able to work with him if he doesn't have a real strong motivator? Well, somehow the conversation moved into where he started talking about how he was very superstitious about the color green. Mm. Uh, Every bad thing that had ever happened in his life was associated with the color green. His brother died and was wearing a green shirt. Uh, Somebody got into an accident with a train that was green. He bought a property that had green buildings on it, and then it got into a lawsuit. All these terrible things that happened associated with the color green. And so... He, uh, it was so funny. So when I did the hypnosis, I said, okay, you're driving home. He was in a hypnagogic state and I'm telling you, you're driving home and you're thinking about those beers and you really want those beers. And oh, you're so excited. You just can't wait to get home and taste those beers. And you open the refrigerator and all the beer bottles are green. And then you pour your beer into a glass and the beer is green. And I, and everything I did through the whole hypnotic yeah. thing was all associated with the color green. He never had another beer. 
One session. One session. So hypnosis can be incredibly powerful. People can raise blisters on their skin or remove warts mm-hmm. or raise warts with, with hypnosis. There, there are many, many conditions that it can change instantly. Uh, and as a hypnotist, I've seen some very dramatic things occur. People's personalities can change instantly. Uh, I've heard people say that uh, hypnosis is the most powerful force in the universe other than love. Oh, that's interesting. I've never heard that. Yeah. But that is. I, yeah, I definitely believe love is the pow- most powerful force <laughs> in the universe. Uh, that's really fascinating. The power of suggestion. The power of suggestion. And the thing is, some people are so susceptible to the power of suggestion that, that they don't even realize they're being hypnotized, which is scary. Well, I think actually that's everybody. Well, and yes. To some in degree. my opinion. Yes. Uh, I recall, oh gosh, 1975, attending a, a meeting of the American Anthropological Society in San Francisco. And uh, there was a report given that year by uh, my friend, Charles Musez, who maintained that this is how we learn language. This is how we learn, become acculturated. We, every person grows up, they become a member of a culture. They learn all of the customs and mores, the expectations of that culture because of a hypnotic process and we're not aware of it. Yes, that is true. When you think about it, we're being hypnotized constantly. Think now about our society now more than ever. We're constantly being barraged. We have screens. We have screens on our phones. We have screens on billboards. We have screens on televisions. We go to movies. There, everywhere you go, there are screens flashing stuff at you constantly. Mm-hmm. And so, how do you pull away? You moved to Mountain Air, New Mexico. <laughs> Move up onto eighty acres away from everything, which is what you have <laughs> yeah. done. Yeah, uh-huh. go live in an Earthship. Mm-hmm. Not a bad idea, but of course that's not available to everybody. No, it's not. And, uh, uh yeah, th- so hypnosis is very fascinating and I, I am really loving how I was able to borrow things from the whole controlled remote viewing thing and put them into my hypnosis practice mm-hmm. with people that were very effective. Some really interesting techniques that you'd probably be fascinated well, with. Well, let's hear some of them. Okay, so, um, Lynn Buchanan taught me a technique that he called the building analogy. Where you imagine yourself as an office building, and if you were an office building, and if I were to put you into a hypnagogic state right now, and just ask you to close your eyes, and just move to, imagine a building that represents you, and just let your subconscious mind show you what that building looks like, you might be surprised at how the building looks. Because if you were to consciously build it, you might build it a certain way. But then when you just ask your subconscious mind, show me what my building looks like, the, all the building could be very symbolic. Mm. So the first time I did it, I, when I didn't understand I was supposed to do it, you know, symbolically, and I, I was saying, oh, my building will be glass and gold and all these wonderful <laughs> things. But when I actually did it under a hypnagogic state, the building I saw was very tall and narrow with very dark windows, mm. and it was red brick. And it was not at all an appealing looking building. And it was sitting on bald prairie. <laughs> and what I found at the time, because everybody's always said, Oh, Lori, you're such an open book. You're so, you know, open and all this. Well, I really wasn't open. And I found that, uh, that I had, although my building had windows, they were darkened. So no one could see inside. Mm. And the fact that I was on bald prairie was an indicator that, and there was like outside the, the edge of the prairie were like trees and a fence and things, but they were on the other side of the fence. I was keeping everyone at a distance. Mm. 
I didn't trust people and I didn't let them close. And so what you can do, and you go into your building and you examine everything in the building and you talk to the receptionist and you visit all the different personalities in the building, but eventually you can use the building analogy as a tremendous self-hypnosis technique Mm -hmm. to improve areas in your life that you want to improve. So let's say you're having financial problems. You go into the building and you ask the receptionist to go let you go talk to the financial manager and you say, I need help because I'm running into problems with my money. Or you need more exercise. You can go talk into the gym, go to the gym in the building and, and see if you can get motivated to move more mm-hmm. and things like that. You can, you know, you can uh, go eat healthier. So you can use this. And what happens though is the subconscious mind starts changing your building without your conscious awareness. And so let's say you go in your building and there's a painting that's askew on the wall. You straighten the painting. And the next time you visit your building in the hypnagogic state, the painting is crooked again. You straighten it. Each time you go, you keep straightening the painting until suddenly, one day you go in and the painting's not crooked anymore, and something in your regular life has improved and changed that you've conquered through this symbolism of the building analogy. Mm -hmm. And so it's a great self-improvement technique. Well, the uh, wonderful thing to me about hypnosis is you can give yourself any suggestion whatsoever. Like you, you mentioned you, you need a financial advisor. There it is. You, you want to have a, a healing advisor to deal with health issues. You can create a, a healing advisor under hypnosis. And, uh, I think from a parapsychological point of view, you may be tapping into, uh, deeper archetypal aspects of the collective unconscious, the subconscious mind, then you realize. I think so too. And you know how you mentioned, <clears throat> excuse me, you know how you mentioned the thing about blisters? Mm-hmm. You know, like if a hypnotist tells you, I'm going to burn you with a cigarette and they just touch you with the eraser of their pencil. You'll, you'll get a blister there you because can, you believe yeah. that you were burnt with the a cigarette. The skin is particularly sensitive. Yes. But that also kind of makes you go, wow. What is the link between the body and the subconscious mind? Mm-hmm. And if you want to even go deeper, what is reality? Yeah. <laughs> Truly, what is reality? Well, you know? when you give a person a hypnotic suggestion to uh, go forward or backward in time, and they are able to accurately retrieve information from a distant place in time and space, it does suggest that reality is uh, much more malleable than we normally think of it. Yes, and that time is not what we think it is. Mm-hmm. That time is occurring all the time. I, I heard time being described almost like a, a bubble, and we're moving through the bubble. So time doesn't mm-hmm. actually move. We think of time as moving and, you know, like we're on this train, this like maybe a, like a Nordic track of time <laughs> moving forward. But in reality, we're moving through time and time is all just there, like a big mass of mm. bubble. Um, or a, or a river. If you were on a river and you came around the bend in the river and you saw a village yeah. and you saw the people in the village walking around and building fires and cooking yeah. and things and you came around the bend, you wouldn't see the village anymore, but you mm-hmm. knew, it, you know, it's still there and that yeah. people are still going about their lives. So I think time works like that. Physicists call it a block universe, like all of time in one big four dimensional block. Like the movie with Matthew McConaughey. Uh, what was it called? Um, the one with Matt, where he's, he, he, he goes into the black hole and then he's there with all the, all time and it looks like that. It looks like a big block. I, I didn't see that. Oh my movie. gosh. This is a movie you have to see. Yeah. Uh, Interstellar. 
Interstellar. You have yes, to, oh my gosh, yes. Jeff! You have to see. No, this I've heard a great oh. deal about the movie. I have not seen it. <laughs> oh yet. yeah, it's yeah. A, it's so wonderful because mm-hmm. that movie and Arrival, the movie Arrival, yeah. Arrival really introduces. Uh, now, I like Arrival. It does deal with time. It's a wonderful movie. And uh, the other movie was titled Interstellar. It, uh, yes, because I recall now they relied on the uh, cosmologist Kip Thorne to help them with the black hole and the yes. time paradoxes and. So so and it's all quite accurate. It's very accurate. So with Arrival, we were dealing with not only with time and and time loops, but we were also taught. They also dealt with ideograms, mm. the symbolic mm-hmm. language of oh, the subconscious. Yes. That's right. And and in Interstellar, we're dealing with time and how it's all happening yeah. at once. Mm-hmm. And, and how you can reach through time to influence other points in time. It, I think it's wonderful in a way that uh, the Hollywood scriptwriters are coming up with scenarios that really are in many ways, not always, but in many ways supportive of authentic psychic functioning. Yes, and, and, not, and not just psychic functioning, but what is the new, the new uh, science of consciousness, mm-hmm. which, I, which I really feel is the, the newest frontier, consciousness, mm-hmm. because we know so little about it, even though we keep, it's like electricity. We use it. We use our knowledge of it. We can time travel with remote viewing and get answers about anything in time or space. But like electricity, we don't truly understand it. You know, we, but we're still able to use it. And well, and hypnosis is such a powerful tool when it comes to using it. Yes, it is. It's. Have you ever heard of quantum jumping in hypnosis? No. It's a really cool technique that was mm-hmm. uh, developed by a man named Bert Goldman. Mm-hmm. And Bert is, I think, probably 90 now. Mm-hmm. But well, he started developing this in, when he was 80. Mm-hmm. And he tried to get people to listen to him. And they said, you know, you're nuts, buddy. He said, okay, I will prove it to you. In the next year, I will use my technique and I will... Write a bestseller. I've never written a book in my life. I'll write a bestseller. I'll I'll learn painting and I'll get my art in a gallery in a in a very high level gallery. And I can't remember what the third. I think the third one was golfing. This is an eighty year old. He's eighty years old, and nobody believes him. They think he's crazy, right? So he uses hypnosis in a technique called quantum jumping, where uh, if I were to put you into a hypnagogic state, and you could do it with yourself as Mm -hmm. well. But uh, and so I say, okay, um, and I get you into this relaxed state. Go down the stairs. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, Mm -hmm. five, four, three, two, one. Now walk down the hallway and come to a doorway. And open the doorway, and then in the doorway, when you're on the other side of the doorway, you're going to meet Jeffrey Mishlove on the other side of the doorway, Mm -hmm. who is successful in the area you want to be successful, but which you are not currently. Mm -hmm. So let's say you said, well, I want to, uh, I want to be a painter. I've always wanted to paint, but I don't have any talent or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I've, you know, I know you've been a successful author and a successful, successful in many things. So it's hard for me to pick something that I don't know. Maybe you already (laughs) are. Painting is a good one. (laughs) Okay. So you want to be a painter. So, so now you're meeting the Jeffrey Mishlove, the successful painter, Mm -hmm. and you actually sit down with Jeffrey in, in this parallel universe mm-hmm. and you talk to your uh, doppelganger and you yeah. say, Jeff, how did you do it? How did you become a successful painter? And then Jeffrey Mishlove in mm-hmm. this other universe tells you exactly how he accomplished it. And then when you wake up, you're ready to go because he's given you the instructions that you need to know exactly how mm-hmm. to accomplish what you want to accomplish. It reminds me of a, a technique that was mentioned Years ago in the book, Psychic Discoveries Behind the Iron Curtain, they called it artificial reincarnation, which was like similar, but instead of uh, meeting yourself in the future, you say in the past you were 
Michelangelo or Mozart or some great artist or great musician and people come out of these hypnotic trances with uh, enormous skill. <laughs> so that just shows you how connected we have to be, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And we have to be. And uh, that, that is, that's so amazing. You know, everybody's familiar with um, the idea of hypnotizing someone and, and doing a, a a reincarnation regression, yes. you know, a hypnotic regression mm-hmm. to a past life. And um, I'm not totally 100% sure I understand reincarnation. I think there's other explanations maybe for there it. Might, there might, there might well be. Other, be. And, and certainly when it comes to hypnotic regressions, that's exactly parapsychologists realize that there's all kinds of susceptibilities exactly. there for uh, unconscious influence coming from the hypnotist. Exactly. Yes, so much. Mm-hmm. You get, And the same thing in remote viewing. You have to, if you have, that's why I wrote the book on monitoring because a, a, a monitor to a remote viewer could very easily influence the remote viewer in mm-hmm. a way we wouldn't want. Yeah. And so, uh, and so it's really, it's an art form just mm-hmm. as being a hypnotist is. And you, there was a big scandal. I think it was back in the seventies or eighties where a number of children were having false memories implanted inadvertently by hypnotists who were questioning them to see if they had been sexually molested. Mm. Do you remember that big? Oh, it was I a think big, it's ongoing, it, as yeah, a matter it's a big, of fact. it was a big to-do. Yeah. And it turned out to be totally false memory syndrome mm-hmm. because they used leading words. And so, you know, we talk about, like, for example, the word criminal. Instantly, you have a, an image in your mind of what a criminal looks like. Yeah. But a criminal could be the little old lady who's been embezzling from the company, right? Mm-hmm. So, so there are leading words that are automatically subconsciously attached to yeah. stereotypes. And, and without knowing it, hypnotists could lead people astray with that. So we were talking about past life regression. Oh, yes. So. And I was going to talk about progression. Mm-hmm. How uh, hypnotic progression is very powerful. So in a way, with quantum leaping, you're going parallel. Mm-hmm. Uh, with regression, you're going backwards. Yeah. And with progression, you're going forwards and you're imagining yourself achieving which, whatever it is you're trying to achieve. And that's how many of the great, like Michael Jordan and uh, Tiger Woods and all these really great athletes, athletes. use it all, all the time. Yes, yes. yes. Greg uh-huh. Luganis talks mm-hmm. about it on his website, how he always imagined himself making the perfect dive. And he had more, more Olympic medals than any other mm-hmm. diver ever. Well, a lot of people practice visualization. They don't think of it as hypnosis. Right. Or meditation. People think meditation and hypnosis are two completely different things. I'm not so sure. I think there's enormous overlap. I think so, too. Mm-hmm. I think it's more a question of semantics mm-hmm. uh, because visualization is very powerful. They've done a lot of research where they have, for example, athletes. They did some research with athletes trying to do the free throw in basketball. Mm-hmm. They separated them into two groups, and they had one group just practicing the three free throw for weeks. And then during the same period of time, they had the other group imagining that mm-hmm. they were making the basket in the free Mental throw. Mental And they all improved in the same degree, the same amount. Uh-huh. But these guys were in bed, and these guys were <laughs> having to work. So, you know, so that's mm-hmm. a key. Like, the mind is very mm-hmm. powerful. Well, when you take a look at something like the cities of yoga, now there are many yeah. powers of a paranormal nature. You can make yourself tiny so you can see molecules and atoms, or you can make yourself big so you can see distant galaxies and, and the, the range of the whole universe. You can go forward in time, backward in time. You know, there's really no limit to the suggestions that you might give yourself. The only limit 
limit I could think of might be the uh, limits of the la- English language if you're using uh, suggestions in, in English. Yes, and the limits of our own belief system, yeah. so, which, of course, it can impair people greatly if they believe it can't be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, John Lilly, uh, back in the day when he wrote a book called uh, The Human Programming and Metaprogramming of the Human Biocomputer, would say there are no limits whatsoever to the human mind, but any limit that you discover is simply a limit to be transcended. Yes, I, I believe it. I totally believe it. I've seen so many miracles in my years, uh, not only as a hypnotherapist, but also as a remote viewer and a remote viewing instructor. Just amazing things that you just are like, that can't mm-hmm. be. I mean, that just can't even yeah. happen. Now, the interesting thing about combining suggestions in remote viewing, like when I first had a session with Russell Targ, there was no training involved at all. We were at SRI International, which really will impress you because it's a multi-million dollar military industrial think tank full of, you know, important scientists everywhere. And, uh, we had lunch in their elegant cafeteria, and then they take us up to this sealed room where no radio waves can get in and out. It's completely secluded. And uh, Russell says, in an offhand manner, everybody here does remote viewing, <laughs> <laughs> which is a suggestion, right? Uh, of course, you're you're in a sacred space. Nobody cannot do it. <laughs> and then and then he says, no. Tell your subconscious mind to give you permission to receive information about the target. That was all. But what a powerful suggestion that really, can be. Really, it is a very powerful suggestion. It's it's very, very powerful. And, you know, when we were taught in hypnosis school that actually most of, when you have a hypnosis customer mm-hmm. who comes in and sits in your chair, uh, that most of the hypnosis occurs before the session begins mm-hmm. in just the pre-talk. Yeah. Oh, so Jeffrey, you're here to see me today. Tell me why you're here. Oh, I've had great success in helping people with that problem. Uh-huh. You know, and you just always stay very, very positive, yeah. you know, and then the person just starts feeling like, like when you go to the doctor, you, if you go to a doctor who's very insecure, you suddenly kind of like, is this guy going to be able to help me? And even if they gave you the perfect thing, it might not cure you because you have a doubt about the doctor's mm-hmm. competence. Yeah. Whereas when you go and you're with somebody who's very self-assured and confident, then they could give you a sugar pill and it might cure you mm-hmm. and it went through the placebo effect. And that's a whole other can of worms, the whole placebo the thing. The placebo effect <laughs> is another example of hypnosis. It's probably the single most powerful effect in all of medicine. Yes. That's the thing. And people don't realize it's not just a matter of I'm giving you a sugar pill and therefore you think it's going to heal you and therefore you get better. But they've actually done tests where if I give you a pill and I tell you it's Valium, mm. that it can, you could act, your body could actually produce the Valium. Is it? Oh. <laughs> your body will produce Alchemy. the chemicals. Yes. <laughs> the body will actually uh-huh. produce the chemicals. And I have two friends who are both phys- uh, physicians, MDs. And they both, they don't know each other. And they both called me around the same time to tell me about a study that had just been done. It was called the Valium study. Mm -hmm. And what they did was they hooked up a bunch of volunteers to computers and the computer would randomly inject Valium into these people Mm -hmm. or water. Mm -hmm. And so the people never knew when they were going to be injected with Valium and neither did any, any of the researchers because the machine was set up to do it randomly mm. so that no one would know. Yep. So it's kind of like if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one there to see it, does it still make a sound? Well, guess what? Valium, which is a very old medicine and has 
many documented proven effects mm -hmm. had no effect at all on the people because they didn't know when they were getting it no. and no one else knew either. Mm -hmm. So none of them had any response to the Valium. Fascinating. Okay. I know. Uh -huh. That's amazing. It just emphasizes once again the importance of, uh, Timothy Leary called it set and setting when it comes to psychedelic drugs, but it, it has to do with expectation. Mm -hmm. And which is so easily programmable through suggestion. Yes. Did you know on Netflix, there is a special, there's a documentary about the Indians in Peru and Ecuador who make ayahuasca. Mm -hmm. And they, they, they combine the two parts of the plant, but they do everything in ceremony. Yeah. So they are essentially high on ayahuasca when they are making the ayahuasca. Mm -hmm. And they, uh, everything is done in ceremony and they bless the plant and they do all these things and it's sacred medicine. And so one day, this guy who's, he's like, you know, his father and his father's father and his father's father's father, they all made ayahuasca in the ceremony. Um, and then they, but this guy had a friend who was a chemist and he said, he came to him and he's like, Hey, you know, buddy, look, this is a chemical and you don't need to do all this ceremony. You don't need to do all this stuff. Just make it and it's going to do the same thing. So he decided to try it yeah. and they made the ayahuasca like they do exactly the same way, but without any of the ceremony. And then they got everybody together and they let everybody drink some, nothing. No one had any effect from the ayahuasca. It didn't have any effect on anyone. Isn't that interesting? Yes. Yet, uh, and ayahuasca is a pretty powerful substance. It has DMT. Yes. It is one of the most powerful of all psychedelics. Yes. <laughs> but uh, I think there's a lot to be said uh, uh, for this. And in parapsychology, we have, uh, for example, uh, experiments where people will send positive thoughts, positive energy into things like tea or chocolate, and then you'll have taste testing, and uh, people can taste the difference. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. I, I think that is phenomenal. Yes, and so yes, in parapsychology, they've done a lot of pretty interesting experiments along those lines, and we see how it affects. There are, like, for example, why can some people see ghosts and others don't? Mm. Uh, why do some people just naturally pick up information and others don't? Well, maybe do they, is it because they believe they can and others don't believe they can? Well, that probably has a lot to do with it. Yes. And uh, like, if you were told, oh, you come from a, a, a generation, you come from generations of gypsy fortune tellers, then you might believe that you have yeah. an ability that maybe someone else would say, well, mm -hmm. I don't have any ability. I have heard it said um, from shamans who practice things like rainmaking. Uh, how? What is the first thing you have to do to be able to make it rain? And uh, the shaman answered, "You have to believe that you can." Yes, and I can tell you because we live up in the desert, in the high desert in New Mexico, and mm -hmm. we've been, you know, before we moved there, it was a terrible drought yeah. that had lasted for years and years. And so my, uh, my little stepson, my little step grandson and I would go out and we would, I'd say, stand here and imagine that you can feel the rain falling on you and feel the raindrops and get, it's getting heavier and heavier, more and more raindrops. And he would stand there. Children are so blessed that way, right? Mm -hmm. He and I would stand there and then, and then we would just be like joyously dancing in the rain, but there was no rain, right? Yeah. So we would be joyously dancing. And within about an hour out of a cloudless sky, we would get a rainstorm. And nothing predicted, you know. So mm -hmm. Jim and I do that now all the time. And we've been getting rain almost every day when the Weather Channel has said zero chance of rain for the whole week. 
<laughs> and and you think that uh, your belief that you can do it has something to do with the yes mm-hmm. and and the and then I'm I have some dear friends who are Native Americans and they say it's not only the belief that you can do it but it's also that you you do you imagine yourself you put like again it's all through the body right mm-hmm. you you literally stand outside and you imagine yourself standing in the you rain visualize you can smell it, it yeah. you can feel it you can feel the breeze bringing it to you and then you feel all the raindrops falling on you and you literally put yourself really immerse yourself into that experience. Mm-hmm. Experience, and it has been a fail. It's it's just we haven't failed once. Well, all of the literature that I'm aware of on uh, sometimes it's called the art of manifestation starts that way. You got to visualize it as if you're already there. Yes, you got to experience it, feel it, see it, taste it as if it's there here and now, and that's what attracts it. It's so true. Mm-hmm. And one day, this it was this was January of 2011. I was walking out the door to go to my office, and my office was a mile away. Yeah. And Jim and I had been talking about taking our motor home. We had a, a large motor home at the time, and going up the East Coast. In, but every year we would do, we'd say, "Oh, we, it's going to be expensive. We're mm-hmm. not going to do it." We wanted to go up in October when we could see all the fall colors and visit a friend of mine who was living in. Uh, my friend Greg was living in Massachusetts at the mm-hmm. time. But I was walking out the door and suddenly I looked at Jim and I said, this is the year we're going to go up the East Coast in October in the motorhome and we're going to visit Greg. And he said, but sweetie, how are we going to afford that? We don't have any money. And I said, we're going to get a class. And I got to my office. Five minutes later, I'm in my office. It's only a mile away. The phone rings and this woman said, hi, I'm so-and-so and I have a, a, you know, I have a place in Massachusetts. I'd like you to come and teach this class in October. So I get off the phone, I call, I call Jim back. I've literally been gone 10 minutes and I say, Jim, we've got the class in October in Massachusetts. It's 30 minutes from Greg's house. And Jim's just like, you are scary. <laughs> he tells me that a lot. You are scary. But we've had so many examples of mm-hmm. manifestation. <clears throat> Excuse me. So many manifestation things where we just said, okay, this is it. This is what we're manifesting. Yeah. And it just happens. Yeah, I, I can tell you this, Lori. There are viewers of uh, this program who get angry when they hear uh, this kind of talk. And the reason is they'll say something like, well, if if uh, visualization and positive thinking works so well, tell that to those poor people who were just killed in an avalanche or, <laughs> or, or, or something. They point to a, a counterexample of people who wish for or pray for or hope for something and it doesn't happen and their lives are uh, screwed, like, like victims of the Holocaust. Tell that to the victims of the Holocaust. Right. And... Yes, and you know, there's no denying that bad things happen and that there's bad people yeah. out there for sure. And that there is sometimes where we fall victim or fall, pr- yeah. fall prey. But I remember reading a, a, a testimonial once by a man who had been attacked at the, he came home one, late one night, he opened the door and, a, and there was an attacker waiting for him. Mm-hmm. And the attacker was stabbing him repeatedly. Yeah. And he, he said that he, he had an out-of-body experience at the time, kind of a near-death experience. He left his body, and he said all of a sudden, when as soon as he was out of his body, all he felt for this person that was attacking him was love. He didn't, he wasn't angry. He just felt filled with love and, and forgiveness, and he saw this all as a plan in mm-hmm. his life, that this was meant to happen in his life. And that can make people angry, too, like, what, you know, what kind of God would allow the Holocaust? Um, but at the same time, when there is, there is a big plan to things. I've come, I've had so many miraculous things happen that just couldn't happen. I had had an experience at 15 that was very traumatic for me, mm-hmm. that I never got over. 
And I just, it's, I sort of buried it and just dug it and pushed it way down. And then just, uh, two years ago, I had the strangest set of circumstances that brought me around full circle to encounter the person that was mostly involved in that trauma and had a, ch- a chance to totally resolve that. To process but, it. But it was crazy. I thought that person had been dead for years and suddenly, just through a set of unbelievable coincidences, we were somehow brought into each other's path again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then the same thing happened with something else, you know, that I needed to resolve. And all, so all this whole year has been about healing. And it's really renewed a faith that I had kind of set aside because I suddenly became aware that there's somebody behind the wheel of this thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, you know, I don't deign to say, Oh, you know, here's why the Holocaust happened or here's why these terrible things happen. I just know that there is a bigger picture yeah. involved and somehow it's part of our learning in this school we call life. Well, I think it's very important for people to appreciate that just because hypnotic suggestions or remote viewing doesn't always work doesn't mean that it, uh, it never works. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's so true. And I mean, we could sit here for hours and I could tell you story after story. But one thing I do want to mention is that my, my daughter called me one day and she said, Mom, um, I, I really want you to tell me how to win the lottery because I've seen you're really good at manifesting things and I want to win the lottery. And I said, no, you don't. You don't want to win the lottery. That's the first problem. She said, no, I do. I want to win the lottery. And I said, okay, tell me what you would do when you win the lottery. And she had it all figured out. We would do X and X and then John would quit his job and then we would have this happen. And, blah, blah, blah. and I said, okay, that's what you want. So focus on that. Focus on what you want and just imagine it happening and just think about that, but just give it to the universe and say, here's what I would like my life to be like. Kind of like a hypnotic progression, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, where you move forward through time in a state of hypnosis and you put yourself in these situations. And boy, th- things start happening for her. I mean, just boom, boom, boom. Everything started falling into place uh, when she started doing that. And mm-hmm. so I've seen it happen, not just with me, but with other people. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely can happen. But what I also see is there are some people who do live in kind of a victim's mentality where they kind of need that victimization. They need to feel like a victim or they, they kind of hold on to it. In hypnosis, we call it secondary gain. Mm-hmm. So for example, uh, the woman who keeps fainting, there are like, sometimes people just lose consciousness repeatedly and they don't know why and they get tested and there's no medical reason for it. And then when through hypnosis, her subconscious mind says, well, when I faint, it's the only time my husband pays attention to me. You know, so there was a reason that this Mm -hmm. was happening because there was secondary gain Mm -hmm. involved. So that's a, that's a very strong player when it comes to hypnosis and the success or failure of it. Mm -hmm. Well, Laurie Williams, once again, we <laughs> have had an amazing conversation. And, and I, once again, feel your passion for this subject. I know we could talk for hours. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm so, I'm so glad to be here with you. I'm glad to be with you too. And I want you to know you have an open invitation. <laughs> we can do these, uh, whenever you're in Albuquerque. Okay. That I'm happy great. to do dozens more conversations like this with you, Laurie, because uh, I know you are an almost endless font of <laughs> uh, valuable suggestions, tips, information, wisdom, guidance, and experience. It's my honor to have you with me. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And thank you for being with us.
Thank you.